So our, our goal is love. It's been, it's been tremendous being here um, this week and watching uh, the way not only you all love each other, but um, watching those KCs with the kids and the way they are learning to love on the kids and um, seeing families come together, seeing people have fun, uh, watching these kids tell these jokes, seeing everybody do, do these hand motions. Um, it's, it's clear that what is going on here is, um, is the fruit of years and years and years of labor, of a vision that has been given to, to Pete and others, uh, to Lynn, to um, the, the board that's been around them all these years that has said, we, we want a place where people can come and connect and, and learn to love well and learn to be loved by the Lord. Uh, and that is a good thing. Love is our goal. And life is our problem. You know, tomorrow we'll, we'll go home. And, um, and when we go home, we, we face things as they are. Uh, we face issues and troubles and schedules and, um, and kids and their needs and their mistakes and their rebellions. And, uh, and we face all kinds, of, all kinds of challenges. But, you know, the, the temptation is is to think um, that all of this is just natural, you know? And to forget that there's something supernatural going on as well. And that the things that are going on that are supernatural are, are not just the good things, but there is, there is opposition. So I want to look at a different relationship tonight relationship between Jesus and Satan. And, and as a result, um, also consider the relationship that we have um, with Satan. And, and I say that because um, in, in a sense, we always have a relationship with our enemies. Our, our enemies are, are always there. And there is no greater enemy, the, the Bible tells us, than, than Satan now, I know that a lot of people in, in our day and age don't believe in a personal evil, don't believe in an actual um, devil, a, a personified um, being that is, is named Satan. Um, and if you find yourself there, or if you find yourself in conversation with somebody who's there, um, keep in mind we're not the first society to dis- discount the supernatural. We're not the first society to discount and de-emphasize the devil and the demonic. Germany, um, as they were moving into the, the time of Hitler, uh, was, was embracing uh, a theology that was based more on natural man, was based more on intellect and reason, and discounted the supernatural and discounted the demonic and uh, ironically gave birth to the most hyper-demonic forces perhaps the world has ever seen. With, uh, as, as Frederick Dale Bruner says, Nazism's own perverse 
demonology of the devilish Jew. So while they demonized Jews, they themselves became instruments of Satan and, and perpetrated um, horrors upon the world. So many Christians I talk to would say, yeah, we do believe in a, in a personal devil. We do believe in the demonic. But oftentimes I find that they and, and myself um, are, are fairly unaware of his methods and um, would have a hard time really, really discerning when we are truly being spiritually attacked. Satan, the Bible tells us, is he's the accuser. He's the adversary. Um, he's not everywhere at every time, but in the, book of, uh, in the book of Job, he's described as roaming to and fro throughout the earth, that, that he's looking for someone to harm. Uh, Peter, the apostle Peter, said that the, Satan prowls around like a, a roaring lion waiting for someone to devour. So it's, it's important for us to, to understand the adversary. He's, he's not ugly. He doesn't have horns. He's not red. He doesn't have a goatee. Um, the Bible actually says he masquerades as an angel of light, often appearing very, very attractive, whether, um, whether visually or um, through the senses or through the, the zeitgeist, the, the spirit of the age. Satan is said to be the ruler and the prince of the air. I think that's a pretty fascinating um, description of him when you consider that right now the air around us is a buzz. There are things going through the air that are on the internet, things going through the air that are on the radios, things going through the air, and messages that when we get down to the heart of them are demonic. They are literally demonic. So I want to I read to you um, a passage where Satan tempts Jesus. I know you're familiar with this passage, but it, it indicates through the relationship uh, between Jesus and Satan how we might recognize Satan's works and, uh, and how we might stand against those works. It's in Matthew chapter 4. It says, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. If you are the Son of God. It's kind of important to understand the context of this. Um, in the previous chapter, Jesus had been baptized by John. Jesus chose baptism to identify with you and me. Jesus didn't have any sins that he had to have washed clean, but he said it was to fulfill all righteousness. And in fulfilling all righteousness, he said, I'm going to come down into the waters where my people are going to be born, where my people are going to go down with me in my death and rise with me up to life. And when he came up out of the waters, it, it said a voice spoke from heaven, said, this is my son whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. Have you ever considered 
that phrase? Have you ever considered what God is saying there? Jesus hasn't competed in the Olympics. Jesus hasn't accomplished the things he's going to accomplish. Jesus hasn't healed anybody yet. Jesus hasn't preached one sermon yet. And yet his father in heaven says, that's my boy. I love him. I'm proud of him. What does it say to us who are also baptized? That the Lord looks at us and he says, that's my girl. That's my boy. I'm proud of you. I love you. Before we've ever accomplished anything. But then it's very interesting because Matthew 4, 1 begins, then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. That Spirit of the Father said, I, the Father said to the Spirit, go and lead my son into the desert where he's going to be tempted by the devil. Kind of a strange thing to say, I love you, and now I'm going to let you go through the ringer. Might tell us something about times in our lives when we're going through really, really hard times. Perhaps God has a purpose in it. People maybe struggle with that and say, I I thought that the Lord doesn't lead us into temptation. No, the Lord leads us into our purpose. And he knows that when we step fully into our purpose as sons and daughters of God, we will face the adversary. We absolutely will face the adversary. And he does that because he intends to bring good out of what Satan intends for evil. So Satan says to Jesus, if you are the son of God. Oh, you're you're the beloved son? You're the golden boy? (laughs) If you are. Well, then just tell these stones to become bread. See, Satan is attacking at Jesus' point of vulnerability. We have to, we've got to understand, people. Jesus was vulnerable. This was a true temptation to him. The Bible tells us he was tempted in every way, just as we are, because he had flesh and blood. He was fully God, but he was fully man. And so he felt that temptation. At his point of vulnerability, he's tired, he's weak, he is hungry. He's actually starving. They say 40 days is about the maximum you can fast before your body starts consuming itself. And Satan gets in his face. You know, Satan does that to you at your point of vulnerability. Have you ever heard the the acronym HALT, H-A-L-T? Hurting, angry, lonely, tired. That's when Satan comes to you. When you're hurting, angry, lonely, tired. The worst thing you can do when you're hurting, angry, lonely, and tired is make a major decision. You will not make a good decision. The thing you need to do is to hold on to the Lord in that time. It's to hold on to the Lord. 
until he gets you through that time so that you can see clearly. So Satan says if you are the son of God, he's attempting to cast doubt into Jesus' mind. And he does that to us. What kind of Christian are you? Are you really a son or a daughter of God? Look at you. Look at the things that you desire. Look at your addictions and your lusts and your failures and your anger. Look at the temptations that, that bother you so much. Do you really belong to God? He attacks our identity. He was attacking Jesus' identity. But Jesus answered, it is written, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. I am going to eat what God gives me. I am going to feast on what God gives me. I am going to live by his word. That's going to be the thing that nourishes me. I had a professor who, who wisely told me once that his rule of life was um, no Bible, no breakfast. That, that he, he made sure that he was in God's word every day because he knew that's what nourished him before even food nourishes him. By the way, this, this is the way to defeat physical temptations, anger, lust, overindulging in alcohol. It's by affirming our identity in Christ as a child of God instead of beating ourselves up about even those desires or about slipping up here or slipping up there. It's to say, wait a minute, I am a child of God. I am a child of God. And to rest in that. And the Lord leads you into the victory. You know, in baptism, um, when, when, when I baptize a child, um, I then make the sign of the cross on their forehead and I say, you are sealed by the Holy Spirit in baptism and claimed as Christ's own forever. I'm making a statement in front of the whole church. We are his. We are his. And one of the best things you can do is become like that child, that little baby, and just know that you are his. The second thing that Satan wants to do after attacking our identity is to attack our faith. It says, then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the te temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you. And they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. He takes Jesus to, to the top of the temple. And on the temple mount, um, apparently there's, there's a, a point that you can stand on, and if you were to throw yourself down, you would go not only over the wall of Jerusalem, but way down into the Kidron Valley. So it's, it's like several hundred feet. So it's a very high pinnacle. And he's saying, throw yourself off. Do something spectacular. He's hitting Jesus where Jesus is the strongest. He's quoting the scriptures. He's quoting Psalm 91. It's one of God's great promise psalms. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. 
Surely he will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. You will not fear, not the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilent that stalks in the darkness. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand. If you make the Most High your dwelling, even the Lord, who is my refuge, then no harm will befall you, for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up in, your, in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. He's saying, listen to that. Do you believe that, Jesus? Throw yourself off. Let God prove himself. You know, he does the same thing with us today. The, the devil wants to, to tempt us to turn God's promises into proofs and to impose our finite interpretations on his infinite ways. So I'll give you an example. Sometimes people demand healing. Why didn't God heal me? Why, why won't God prove himself by, by bringing this healing? And, and there's something called the word of faith movement, you know, which very much says that if you believe strong enough, God will act. God will do it. And there's a, a demand among some that Christians experience a, a second blessing, and they say, as evidenced by speaking in tongues, which I believe is a, a spiritual gift. I, I believe it is a real spiritual gift that still operates today. But there are some who say, we want to prove God by you doing this. That's the proof. So they want some kind of physical manifestation to assure themselves that God is real, something spectacular. And, and in churches, you know, sometimes we do this with our programs. And we just think if our program is big enough, if it's spectacular enough, if it's polished enough, that's the proof that God is here. Rather than simply trusting that He is. He is. And so it leads people to be dissatisfied with pastors that don't measure up or be dissatisfied with with churches that don't measure up. And I, I, I'm not saying there's never a reason to find a, an authentic family of faith. But I know that sometimes we're just simply looking at all the externals and failing to see that God is here in our brokenness and in our messed upness. And he wants me to somehow be part of the solution here. Part of the walking through, part of the here we go, Right? It was a temptation for Jesus. Just throw yourself off, do something spectacular, and the world will flock to you. But he passes the test and once again resists the devil with Scripture. Jesus answered him, It is also written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. I trust my Father. Now this had to be a real temptation for Jesus. God, are you really there? Are you really going to come through? How do you know if you're testing God? Just ask yourself this question. Do I use the Bible to follow God or to have God follow me? Do I use the Word of God to bless God or to get God to bless me? 
do I use this Christian life to serve him or to have him serve me? I, I was so uh, taken by uh, one young lady's testimony that I've, I've been listening to recently where when she was around 16 years old, she was, she was sitting in a, um, a restaurant and she said God spoke to her. He said, all right. The grace period is over. I've, I've given you lots of grace in your life. But I want to know, are you going to serve me? Or are you going to serve yourself? And she said she was shocked that he said, are you going to serve yourself? She, she thought that God would say, are you going to serve Satan? But she, she realized that she'd been serving herself in her Christian life. She'd been going along with the, the Christian prayers, and she believed in everything. But, but when it came down to it, when it boiled down to everything, she, she wanted to serve herself. She said at that moment, she promised God, I will always say yes to you. How do you know if you're testing God? Will you always say yes to him? The devil wants to cast doubt on our faith and the object of our faith. He wants to cast doubt that God is good. And then finally, he, he wants to cast doubt on God's plan. Again, the devil took Jesus to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. Have you noticed that Satan keeps taking Jesus higher and higher? Isn't that interesting? It's a real contrast to the leading of the Holy Spirit, which, which takes Jesus down into the wilderness. You know, I'm not saying it's always this way, but there is a certain downward mobility in the Christian life. There is, there is a call in following the Lord to give up yourself. And, and the closer you follow, the more you find yourself uh, divesting yourself of the world's powers and the world's glories and the world's comforts. But the more you follow Satan, the, the more comfortable you will be, the more glorified in the eyes of the world you will be. It's, it's what Satan promises to people. And he's, he's set up the system in a lot of ways that, <clears throat> that can really benefit of us if we'll listen to him, at least benefit us in the short term. All this I will give you, Satan says to Jesus, if you'll bow down and worship me. If you just take this shortcut, forget the plan and take this shortcut, I will deliver. This had to absolutely be the biggest temptation of all because God's promise was that through the Messiah, salvation would come to the ends of the earth, that every knee would bow, every tongue confess. And Jesus was, was very well aware of the messianic promises. But now Satan's offering the shortcut. And it's a shortcut that's free from suffering. And all he had to do was bow one time. And the verb tense that's used there in the Greek is not an ongoing verb. It's not like Satan was saying, Worship me the rest of your life. He's saying, just one time, just bow down. 
Take one shortcut. You'll get your due. That's pretty tempting. Have you ever experienced this in your life? I remember um, as a young Christian, I had come home from college and um, I, I can't remember how I ended up with this job, but I ended up with a job selling knives, Cutco knives. Any, how many of you have them? Man, they're great knives, aren't they? Love those bowling ball handles. Any of you got the scissors that can cut pennies? That's so cool. I love doing that demonstration, you know. And, um, and it, was, it, was a, um, it was this thing where you would, you would sell to your friends and your neighbors, and then they would give you recommendations, and you, could only, you couldn't cold call anybody. You'd had to have a recommendation. And... Um, and you'd kind of see how you did at the end of the week, and you'd gather together with the home office, and, and they would always kind of be pumping up the sales, trying to get you to sell more, and they'd, they'd actually have these pep rallies, and guy would guy would try to convince you to quit college and come work for Cutco, and soon you'll be driving a car with power windows, you know. <laughs> anyway, um, <clears throat> anyway, uh, they, they did this one promotional where if you sold a certain amount, you, you could get uh, a prize. And, and the prize I had my eyes set on was this hunting knife, which is like ridiculous because I've never been hunting, you know? It's like I just thought, wow, that is a cool looking knife, this cool hunting knife, man. And so I was selling, I'm selling, I'm selling, I'm selling. And I get to the cutoff day. And I need to make one more sale. And I, I can't get the sale. And I, I've got one more meeting scheduled the very next day. But, but I missed the cutoff. And so I make the sale the very next day. Well, Monday, we report. And I'm like, you'll never know. You know? I mean, I did make the sale. I was trying. I mean, all I have to do is put Friday on there instead of Saturday. And I did it. I can't believe it. I'm getting a little choked up. Um, and I got that knife, and I remember feeling just miserable. And I realized, I got to tell this guy. And I went back, and um, I had the knife there. I said, I, I did not make the cutoff. Um, I, I lied because I wanted the knife. And, and I thought, maybe if I'm telling him the truth, he'll give it to me anyway. You know. <laughs> um, but he said, thank you, thank you. And, and he took it back. And... Um, and I remember from that point on just feeling like this absolute freedom and knowing that God had done, God had done something there. But I had listened to the devil. He said, just one little shortcut. Just one little bow. And, and that's what Satan wants to do. Even just once. If he could just do it for you once. Doesn't even mean he's claimed your soul. It's, it's just he loves to diminish us. 
He loves to divide us. Do you know the word diablo, or diabolical? It, it means to divide. Satan's the splitter. He wants to split us from God, and from others, and from our conscience. Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and angels came and attended him. Then came that further confirmation. I think just like that moment, you know, I don't know if Jesus saw the angels, but I know he felt them. And I know he felt the pleasure of God. That's the way it is when we walk in his ways. That's the way it is when our eyes are attuned to the spiritual world and the reality that we have a tempter and an adversary who wants nothing more than to destroy us, to destroy our families. How do you know that you can stand against him? Ultimately, it's not about you. It's about Jesus. Jesus is the only one, the scripture said. He, he was tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Jesus never wavered because he himself suffered when he was tempted. He's able to help those who are being tempted. It says in Hebrews 2, 18, it's not about your willpower. It's not about my willpower. It's about Jesus' power. He's the true strong man. And, you know, he, he calls the devil the strong man. And he says, unless a stronger man shows up to bind the strong man, you know, we're done. And Satan's way stronger than us. But we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. Let us, then, approach the throne of grace with confidence. There's a lot of people who tell you, who try to steer you away from any kind of Christian conviction, any kind of, of um, assurance. They, they accuse you of triumphalism. But know this, the Lord wants you to be confident followers, to know that you can go to your daddy, your Abba, your Papa, your father, as surely as these little kids can go into, and jump into Casey's arms, let alone your arms, you can go to your father and approach him boldly with confidence so that you may receive mercy and find grace grace that helps us in our time of need. More and more as a pastor, I am just saying, help me, Lord. I, I don't know how to pastor. This is way too big for me. I, I walk through our sanctuary a lot of times, and I just... Just kind of pray over the chairs. You know, walk every row, every row. And I say, Lord, please show up. Just do it. Because it's a spiritual battle. 
Our battle is not flesh and blood. I think about, think about that for a moment. Just think about the people in your life, the ones that give you the hardest time. Your battle's not with them. Your battle is not with them. They are being battered and bruised by Satan. They're being lied to and used. Your battle is against the principalities, the powers of this dark world. And, and we're just scratching the surface tonight about how you fight the devil. But if, if you can walk out of here tonight simply with a conviction that there's spiritual reality going on all around us. There are angels in this room right now. But there are demonic forces out there that desire to have you. Don't be unawares. Just walk out and know that as long as the Lord is your strong tower, is your refuge, you're on the winning side of the battle. Jesus knew the rest of the psalm. Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him, for he acknowledges my name. He will call upon me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. That must have been almost impossible for Jesus to believe as he's hanging on the cross. And suddenly he cannot feel any assurance. Suddenly he cannot sense the presence of angels. Suddenly all he can see is darkness and void. And he cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And then his final words, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Jesus on the cross stepped off into darkness. It is a big mistake for us to think that he knows exactly what's in there. It was a step of faith. For the joy set before him and the promise of God, he believed him. He's risen to give us life. So I want to I want to just close um, in prayer. And um, and at the end of the prayer, I want to pray blessing over you. Um, and know that it's not it's not just some simple religious exercise. But Jesus has given authority to his followers to spread blessing throughout the world. He's given you authority to bring spiritual blessing into your homes and to pronounce blessing over your kids, to pronounce blessing over the people in your lives. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I, I just acknowledge before you that um, I am no expert on spiritual warfare, on um, 
how to resist Satan or, or how to oppose spiritual forces. I'm simply one of your kids, Lord. We are your children, children of God. But we know that you know, Jesus, because you went before us. We know that your name is a strong tower, and the righteous run into it and, and are safe. We know that your name needs to be over our homes. Your name needs to be over our heads, over our children, over our families, over our workplaces. There is power in the name of Jesus. And we ask that you would show us step by step how to wield that power, how to take up the the armor of God, how to sing these praises of God and never be derailed never be deceived. So now, Lord, in the name of Jesus, I pronounce blessing over this people, this congregation at this time that you have called together. I ask that the blessing of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit would be amongst them. That the peace that passes all understanding will guard their hearts and their minds and the knowledge and love of Christ Jesus. I ask that the eyes of their hearts would be enlightened and I bless you with every spiritual blessing in Christ that has been given us. I bless you with the sure knowledge and love of the Lord that it be your conviction from this day forward that you are a child of God. I bless you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.